Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. We're delighted to bring you another episode in our C-Suite series, a collection of interviews covering some of the biggest HR and business topics with some of the top leaders in the world of work. In the latest installment of this series, we're discussing the link between people and performance, the HR challenges in healthcare, how to connect HR to the organization's bottom line, and much more with the Chief People Officer at the Matter Private Network, Gary McCabe. Thanks for joining us, Gary. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, Mary, thank you too. Brilliant stuff. Looking forward to it. And this week, we're also delighted to welcome back our very own Mary Cullen, Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. I've I've missed our podcasts and it's uh, fantastic to meet you, Gary. Yeah, and likewise. Brilliant stuff. We've missed you too, Mary, so appreciate it. Um, Perfect. So look, we'll we'll, we'll jump straight in. So I suppose, Gary, on the C-suite series that we have going here at the moment, we're kind of kicking off by, I suppose, asking our guests to kind of reflect on the past couple of years, challenges, opportunities and that kind of stuff. So could we get some of your, I suppose, quick reflections on how it's been the past couple of years for HR uh, generally? Yeah, I suppose it's been an interesting time. Uh, lots of development within the HR kind of field or in the HR arena, uh, areas in which I suppose HR have had to pivot in and out of over the last three years. Um, I think it might be easier for me to look at that in two ways, one in general HR and then one in, in healthcare in terms of challenges and maybe same in opportunities. But um, I think, you know, we, we all know that we're moving into a, the world of hybrid and flexible work and, you um, it seems to be something that has kind of taken a firm hold in many organizations. You hear the anecdotal evidence that organizations are trying to pull it back in or trying to put some more manners on it and that and more kind of uh, control into it. And I think much like many other organizations in Matter Private have found themselves in a situation, you know, at the beginning of COVID whereby people had to begin to work from home. But there's no clear rules or regulations or processes or performance or evaluation techniques that were available at that time to ensure that we were getting, you know, the right return from those colleagues who were at home, albeit it was necessary for them to be there and work there. So I think kind of three years on, we're now looking and saying, this is a, a challenge for us. Are we actually getting, uh, you know, a proper return? Are these people properly connected to the organization? Um, are they, you know, part of the kind of future in terms of opportunity for career development, career enhancement, um, and so on and so forth. All of those things are big issues for us. Um, we in healthcare, I've, in, sorry, in, in Matter Private, I've had to build a HR team with a view to delivering a kind of an exceptional service to an organization that probably has been starved of a, of a proper HR service for many years. So re-establishing HR credibility has been a big challenge. Uh, and it's been one that over the last 15 months uh, has been a kind of a work in progress. So they're the big challenges for me in, mm-hmm. in terms of HR, but in terms of healthcare, there's obviously a global talent shortage. Um, I don't know whether you know this, but you know that by the WHO or would have, would say that by 2030, we'll be 15 million new people short 
in terms of global healthcare provisions. And that really is frightening when you think that those people who are um, currently delivering a service are going to be so far behind in terms of headcount to deliver a future service. Um, it's really, really worrying. So we're in that war. We're in a war for talent every single day. Uh, our talent market is not in Ireland. It's global, truly global. Um, a lot of our uh, colleagues uh, over the last 12 months have come in from India, from uh, South America, from Philippines. And even with that, that brings many, many challenges. I mean, the challenges with regard to visas, uh, for adaptation, for um, uh, the skill transferability, all of that kind of stuff is, is, a, is an everyday challenge for us. And then when they land, these people have to be found accommodation. And, you know, as you know, it's, it's quite expensive in Ireland for mm. accommodation. So they're a big issue for us. Retention, massive issue in healthcare. People don't leave for money typically. Um, they leave for uh, reasons of potential burnout, for um, employer connectivity, not connected to the employer, not connected to the manager, not connected to the brand, those sort of things. They can just do what they do in a different location. Maybe it's closer to home. And then the other piece then is the attraction piece. It's, it's how do you stand out and be different? Uh, how do you, uh, you know, have something that's worthwhile coming to and worthwhile staying for? They're the big challenges that uh, we're dealing with at the moment. They're kind of challenges that I wouldn't have had to deal with in previous roles. Um, so it is, it's really interesting to be in that space at the moment. Lot, within that, there's lots of opportunity. Um, big opportunity for HR to add value in the bottom line here at Matter Private. Uh, we... We can, there's, there's so, so many opportunities to find cash value uh, and be able to talk about that and bring cash value back into the organization. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic in that respect. So it gives us an opportunity to really building credibility. Uh, we market our achievements in here. So we talk about what we've done, how we've done it, what value that's brought, which is completely new. I don't think uh, healthcare has seen that from a HR provision in the past. And then there's huge opportunities in the future in terms of healthcare again, again, around apprenticeships, looking at stimulating people to come into our organization in a different way, different routes. Um, I've done that before in, in the logistics uh, area where we set up a new apprenticeship program. It's now yielding 250 to 300 new people into the, into the industry in Ireland every year. You know, with a sustained effort in healthcare, we could probably bring thousands of new people mm. into, into, um, into the industry over the coming years. And then we need to look at new markets. So where are where where is the talent? You know, every every hospital group in the world is 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 mining in India and in the Philippines. So we need to find new markets because again, our offering is not as attractive anymore in terms of being able to pay for rent, uh, salary levels, and so on. So there are the big challenges and opportunities I see for us at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I think we'll, we'll dig a lot deeper into some of those, Gary, because again, it's great to hear from the kind of healthcare perspective. It's not something we hear about often, actually. Um, so it's fantastic. And we will dig in more into that as we go. I suppose, Mary, kind of similar opening question to yourself. I think a lot of, as we kind of got the sense from Gary there, and I think we get a sense from a lot of other people who are speaking to our clients and that kind of stuff. It's really been a year or a couple of years where HR has really been kind of multifaceted. There's been a lot of things to do, Mary, hasn't there? So it's quite similar to the other tasks, obviously, that Gary mentions will be different to other companies. The, the feeling is quite the same, isn't it? That it's very busy. Credibility is an issue, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, the, I, I think HR 
people everywhere struggle with the same kind of issues just in different uh, settings and you know the idea of that war for talent um, that's their you know name the industry they're struggling and trying to find alternative routes to bring people uh, into organisations. I do think when it comes to healthcare, you know, looking at the last three years has been quite incredible in terms of um, what has happened in the healthcare sector and the kind of pressures that, you know, your everyday nurses, doctors, porters, catering assistants, all of those people that make up the um, hospitals uh, have been under. It has been quite phenomenal. Um, Owen, as you know, I've spent the last month uh, with my father uh, who has been ill and uh, passed away recently in a hospital setting. And so I've looked a lot at the way as you do in HR wherever you are you you sit there and you look around and you see what's good what's bad uh, what could be done better and always I'm impressed uh, not just as a patient but as a family member with the skill and the expertise and the care and the attention that people get and I know the hospitals have had a, a hard rap over um, the last few months and over the winter period. But again, I am always impressed too by the way in which um, people care for those that come into the organisations. And the challenges of, um, you know, staffing, of supporting people in that environment uh, are truly unique. Uh, and I have a lot of respect for uh, HR people in that sector. 100%. Just on that, Mary, first of all, uh, my, my sincere sympathies on, you, on the passing of your father. Uh, God rest him. Thanks, Gary. On the, the talent piece, on, on the war for talent, and you, you consider the healthcare setting, we had at one stage last year, we had uh, about 32 nurses coming in from the Philippines and the Philippines closed their borders and wouldn't allow them to leave. So they closed their borders for six whole months, which meant that that pipeline of talent that was coming in to serve gaps in our headcount, which, were, which are real, they're, they're, they, weren't, they weren't departing, they had departed, uh, was completely turned off. Uh, so your lack of control on the market is even more profound in the healthcare setting. Um, the other piece that, that's rarely understood is, is that a lot of people consider that the, the healthcare globally is almost a transient marketplace whereby people just move from country to country. They, they actually don't. Only 12% of the global talent actually move. And 80% of that global talent come from two countries, India and the Philippines. And only 12% of those move. So it's actually a quite a limited resource field or limited talent pool. Um, that we're actually playing in. So it's it's unbelievably difficult. And then the barriers to entry, like, you know, for a nurse or for a, a, a doctor, you know, you simply just can't put in a, a training program and hope that someone comes up to speed in 12 months. It just, mm-hmm. just doesn't work that way. Whereas other industries can, you know, be pragmatic. There's very little opportunity for pragmatism in this industry. 100%. And I suppose kind of based on that, Gary, I suppose like, and people in healthcare generally, I just I don't mean just a matter of private, even though it's evident there. I mean just in healthcare generally, 
I suppose people aren't just working like their lives depend on it. You know that old phrase, like in healthcare, people are actually working because lives depend on it. So I suppose when we talk about those different challenges and kind of external kind of things, Gary, how hard is it to then, I suppose, nourish that kind of motivation, culture, kind of performance internally? Yeah, um, unbelievably hard. Yeah, uh, I think I think if you really put some context onto that that statement around, it's you know it's it's been a difficult period. It's been it's unprecedented. It's it's a prolonged period mm. um, of of a pandemic that has an absolute direct impact on on healthcare professionals, frontline healthcare professionals. There's a significant and at very early stages that there was a significant risk to 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 life for those frontline. Um, um, workers and genuinely significant uh, um, risk to life, and for their long-term health. I mean, long COVID is not is 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 a real thing, um, and many people suffer from long COVID. There's also then because of the amount of people who are were sick and out with COVID, it actually added a huge amount of a burden to all of those other people who actually were, were able to come to work. At the same time, that all of the hospitals were full, <clears throat> not just full. Creaking at seams, so occupancy levels at a hundred percent in most in most uh, hospitals at a time when your headcount was reduced dramatically because of of COVID, which meant people were just working harder and working longer. At the same time, absence levels peaked at, at many times at beyond forty percent of your workforce. So I mean, it, it's almost an impossible situation, and that's three years in the running now, almost, and 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 people are exhausted. Uh, people are worn out, people are burnt out from that. And then obviously, because they're working in that industry, um, some people don't want to be there anymore. And there's been a huge mass mass exodus of talent from the industry. So it's within that context that you ask the question around kind of motivation. I mean, to to motivate people or to cajole higher levels of performance or or even just to create an environment where a, a super culture can develop from is unbelievably difficult in healthcare at the moment because we are, you actually kind of need a time to breathe. You need a time to kind of refresh and rebalance and realign. And that just simply hasn't been there because we've just kind of lurched, not from crisis to crisis, but every single day is, a, is, is challenging uh, just to get the service provided whereby you can you know, provide a safe uh, patient experience uh, and you can help prolong life. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really complex environment in which to work in when you consider that. So when you add when you add the normal every day to the context that has been COVID and the impact that that's had, yeah, it's 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 really, really difficult. Yeah. We're we're at the start now of a of a kind of a cultural realignment uh, process. We've just received our we done great the great place to work survey at the very end of last year. We've just received the results. We're in the process of sharing those results. So what we have now is a benchmark and we have a direction. Um, and a clear, a clear direction from staff, which is which is really good to have. Um, but we now need to generate kind of plans to invigorate trust and respect. Uh, and it's when we when we generate those, we'll begin to have that opportunity of looking at motivation in a, in a, in, a, in a more meaningful way. But trust and respect are the cornerstones of 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 every great relationship within every great organisation. And we need to we need to build our bridges and and, and get to that point. Um, we need to find meaningful ways for. Uh, for the organization to recognize colleagues who in many ways are, are living angels. These, these are the guys and the girls that prolonged life and saved life and kept patients safe for so long. Um, and we've almost lost that rhythm of being able to recognize because we've been busy doing 
everything else, if you like, because everything else uh, was 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 just more important or was a priority at that time. Um, and we've missed out on really kind of connecting property with the people who are delivering this amazing service. Uh, so I think um, I think it's within that context. It's 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 very difficult uh, to talk about um, motivation in this in this game. We're 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 steps behind motivation. We're um, we're we're we're, up, we're on the pathway. That's the main mm, thing. Hundred percent. And I think even I just know from knowing people in healthcare, a lot of this motivation and stuff like that is almost inherent in them. It's the type of person that goes yeah. in there, which is fantastic. Without a doubt. 100%. And Mary, look, I suppose it's great to hear the healthcare insights, isn't it? I think there's such a connection there from people to actual the survival of the business and people and all that kind of stuff, isn't there, Mary? It's it's, it's good to hear these insights from such a, a massive industry that, what, what I've been right saying, we don't actually hear a lot from, from the HR kind of side of things. We do have some clients in that uh, area ourselves, Gary, so we are familiar with some of the challenges that um, organisations face, uh, you know, certainly on the IR side as well. Um, we can't forget that from a trade union perspective and, and the amount of time and effort that goes into dealing with uh, IR and uh, employee relations issues. Um, and, you know, for anyone in HR, in an environment where you have trade unions, a, a substantial amount of time um, is spent on that. But yeah, I think it's amazing to hear because, you know, we all use hospitals at different points, you know, throughout the pandemic, um, we've had situations, or I personally had situations where family members have been in hospital and, you know, from leaving them at the door in A&E and not being able to go in myself with the family member right the way through, you know, more more recently being able to stay overnight in the hospital. And there's a huge uh, variety uh, of experiences, but we as uh, Irish citizens and citizens of the world, um, you know, use hospitals throughout our lifetimes um, and that insight into how they run and how they work and uh, all the complexity that's involved in rostering and scheduling and logistics and um, the day-to-day -day management and care of patients um, in, and their families and all of that. Like it's a, it's a huge, huge area that has a complexity that's lots of other businesses and organizations throughout uh, Ireland don't have. Um, and the investment in HR isn't always there. I know you have a good team, a good sized team, Gary, um, yeah. but it's not, it's not true everywhere. Uh, and there are some beleaguered um, people in the sector who really are under-resourced and, and have a lot of work to do uh, without the the funding or the budget or the resourcing to do it. Definitely. I suppose then kind of digging a little bit deeper into um, one of the reasons we actually wanted to bring on is Algary, not just to hear about healthcare, but just to hear about this kind of thing. So I suppose some people, and we've been hearing this lately, some people are finding it challenging or always have found it challenging to kind of align the people function to the commercial side of the business. Um, I know you've been a big advocate, advocate of this, Gary, from your time in Coogan and Nagel. I think you actually went from HR director to commercial director, which I think might be slightly unique in a way. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that concept of yeah. commercially focused people management as that kind of connection piece? Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 loved, I loved my time in commercial. Um, 
it was really interesting. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I think you look at 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 a, at a, at a role and, and and how it functions in an organisation, and you understand whether or not you can bring value to it. And it's a little bit like the human resource side of a business. Um, how can you enhance the value that you bring to an organisation? And I always felt that having spending time in other disciplines would help me understand more about how the business runs and would give me an opportunity of being able to engage uh, differently as a HR professional. And ultimately, at one stage, my intention would have always been to return to HR. And the time I spent in commercial in Coonanagle was really interesting because, in essence, what I did was I took what I knew and what I'd learned as a HR professional simply into another discipline. So it was around process, procedure, uh, following through, managing performance, engaging thoroughly, uh, creating proper feedback channels, all of, all of stuff that we believe in as HR professionals, I was able to actually deliver into another, into another discipline. And, and it worked really, really well. Um, I, I, it wasn't new, it wasn't fresh to me because when, as a HR director, I had taken quality under my um, management. I'd taken uh, communications under management. I'd taken marketing under my management all at different times. So I was really comfortable with the switch. But I knew that I was never going to be a commercial person forever. I, I always felt it was an opportunity for me to grow and stretch and add more value to, not, not from a CV perspective, but add more value to me in terms of how I felt and how I could contribute to an organization. Um, so I suppose... The one thing I had learned, uh, you know, the pace is different uh, as a commercial lead who's not the subject matter expert uh, in, an, in, a, in a sale because ultimately I was selling logistics provisions. Um, when we were in front of a customer, I had experts with me. So my role was almost uh, just relationship management. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was less meaningful at the coal face than it was in the back office. And my role as a HR professional had always been much more meaningful in the front office than it had been in the back office. So in a lot of ways, it, 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 it rounded out some of my kind of rough edges and it, it actually gave me a really, really good perspective. So when I come into um, the matter private, having moved from a commercial role back into a human resource role, uh, I was able to see a lot of opportunity. Uh, I was able to see... Um, just some of the ways in which the business had functioned or was functioning, um, seeing some opportunity around cost saving, around you know how do we promote ourselves, uh, what are our what are our services, what are our products, how do they interface with the organisation, and those sort of things. So it's been really really beneficial. Um, it's been very 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 interesting. Um, but what I would say is, what I enjoy time as a commercial person, I, I'm, I've always been a HR person. I just took a holiday, um, but I, I, I'd never, I don't think I'll ever move out of HR again. Brilliant. You said you took a holiday from HR. It sounds like a, a busy enough holiday to, to me. But uh, look, Mary, I suppose when we're talking about, we've been talking about HR strategy a lot lately and how HR can be more strategic. And I think, Mary, just going off what Gary said there, even just that mindset of adding value and that kind of thing, that definitely ticks that box that's way bigger than a tick box. Jeez, you know what I mean? But it's, it's one of those things that really does satisfy that side of the business. HR being more strategic, having that mindset, being more commercially focused, maybe, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think being at the board table or or being at the most senior level in an organization isn't an entitlement. And loads of um, 
executive, not just HR executive, but loads of executives compete for those spots and, and want, you know, are driven towards um, achieving that in their careers. So when HR people talk about wanting to step up there to get a seat at the table, to have their voice heard, it does mean that um, they're more forward thinking and strategic and broader thinking in terms of the organization as a whole and not just simply looking at the HR agenda or the HR strategy. Um, And it's one of the things that, you know, certainly when I set up um, Insight HR all those years ago, the biggest learning curve for me was around the commercial side of uh, the business as opposed to the functional expertise, the expertise that I had developed over my career up until that point. And, um, you know, there is a steep learning curve, definitely. And it's wonderful to see someone like Gary, who's, you know, dipped his toe firmly into the commercial side of the business and, you know, enhanced his ability as a um, HR professional in, in doing so. And I also feel the same myself, you know, to understand figures and numbers and relationships and, um, it, you know, look at the business in a different way, whatever that business is, whatever that organization is, um, is important. And I, I do believe that HR people really should look for those opportunities, not necessarily to to step from HR into a commercial role as such. But, you know, that that idea of job rotation and all of that um, within an organization can be really powerful. And HR are positioned to kind of look at that in an organization and, and build those kind of programs within organizations as well. Yeah, 100%. It's good to get such varied insights now. It's an in, that's an interesting point, Mary. The, the job rotation piece is, is definitely interesting. I, I, I found, and I've seen this a couple of times uh, with, with other people who'd rotated, I found that when you go into a new function, you, you naturally look at things differently than the incumbents. Um, because you're, you're coming from a, a different background. You're almost culturally different. Um, so I, I remember when I, when I went into commercial, it was at the very beginning of, um, of well, it, it was probably four or five months before COVID, um, and, I, and I was kind of straddling two roles, and then at the beginning of COVID, I kind of had moved fully into commercial. And I remember looking at the opportunities that presented itself globally in terms of uh, moving masks and um, other medical equipment around the world. And I remember looking at that completely different than any of my colleagues in terms of how do we go about creating the relationships we need to get this work. And my, my route was much more direct. You know, I was talking about going, you know, going to government ministers, going to straight to the HSE, who do we need to find in there, Where do, who's, who's got the budget, those sort of things. Whereas the, the commercial guys were much more um, um, traditional in how they were going, much, probably much more respectful in terms of the routes they were taking. So there's, there's, there's opportunities within that rotation piece just to bring a different perspective. And sometimes them different perspectives can actually bring longer-term value if, they're, if they become habitual or if they become ingrained in how the, the department or the function now works. Mm-hmm. 
So I just thought that was uh, that was interesting. It was definitely a, a learning. So I'm I'm all for that job rotation, and I genuinely believe that people uh, will absolutely benefit by spending a little bit of time in other people's spaces. Hundred percent. Yeah, Julio Sullivan, who we had on our podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, was talking about um, being challenged, and and you know when you're uncomfortable. Uh, doing something that actually the opportunity for learning is really there. And I think that's very true, particularly when you come to job rotation or even even moving um, role in HR. You know, certainly in some cases you can see people who are in a role for you know, 20 years in the same company, in the same place, in the same location, and not to knock that in any way, shape or form, but the opportunity to challenge yourself um, is something that HR people really should look for. Um, And you get that maybe with the new CEO, you get it with new members of the management team, uh, but you also get it by changing job um, and, you know, maybe industry and challenging yourself in that way too. But that commercial piece is important um, and developing those skills and that mindset. HR people are, are well-versed in, in dealing with conflict. They're actually really capable when it comes to sitting in a boardroom and dealing with the kind of direct talking um, that comes with um, being at that very senior level. Um, so I see no reason other than it's about learning to adapt and, you know, looking more broadly at the organization and seeing, well, where can HR actually add value to the organization achieving what it's setting out mm-hmm. to achieve? 100%. I suppose it's a perfect segue on to the, the closing question that we have on this. Uh, mini series, Gary. I suppose it's just as if as if you didn't give us enough wisdom and, and advice already, just to give us, I suppose, a closing few comments. Um, any advice then for any further advice? I suppose for HR leaders who are kind of facing into a year where they're kind of hoping to make a, an impact at the top table. Any kind of guidance, advice, things they should be looking out for? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a couple of couple of things that are uh, have been important to me. I think over the last number of years is. Uh, I monetize all of all of all of the HR activity, so uh, I look at ways uh, in which we can understand what the return on investment, the value add, is. Put it into pounds, shillings, and pence, and communicate that. I think that's really important. I'm not sure a huge amount of HR professionals do that. Um, so you know, if you know, we we look at how we manage data. Is there opportunities within the data that we're seeing to save money, to you know, find overspend, to cut out. Uh, future spend, that sort of, sort of stuff. In L&D, it's around return on investment for programs. So if you're going to spend 50,000 euros on a leadership program, how do you ensure that you lock in some um, you know, return on investment mechanism, be it project work, whatever it might be, be it you know, innovation, be it, um, be it work that uh, solves certain problems in the organization, uh, and, be, and monetize that. So as you can say, we spent 50, but we got 450,000 euros back. So let's do some more of this leadership investment, whether it's, you know, simple stuff like absence reduction. I mean, if you've got a payroll bill that's, you know, 100 million euros and you can save 1% uh, absence, well, you know, you're putting a million euros to the bottom line. It's all of that sort of stuff. So if you can monetize HR impact, uh, it's hugely important. 
ultimately, I think uh, it's about aligning the human resource strategy to the business strategy. Ensure that it's properly aligned. Don't move on until you've got that kind of alignment with the CEO. Uh, then you need to deliver that strategy through proper endeavor, but also through empowerment, making sure that the people within your teams are getting that exposure to real HR work that's value-adding, that they can tell stories in the future around what they've been involved in, how that differentiated, how that, how that added a real net uh, profit value to an organization. I think we need to make good business decisions, good commercial decisions as HR people. I think we need to, in some way, hold the organization accountable for the decisions that it makes, certainly around the people agenda. And most importantly, I think we as individuals need to be accountable for both the wins and the losses, because there will be losses along the way. In busy HR organizations or organizations that have busy HR requirements, there are going to be some losses. You need to take accountability for them. You need to learn. You need to grow from them. But most importantly, be accountable for the wins. Share those wins. Make sure that you're building your credibility. And that way, HR will always have a seat and have a voice when real decisions need to be made within an organization. 100%. It's fantastic to hear that, Gary. And look, a lot of tips in there. Really found some benefit to that myself, even just listening. So I hope our, our listeners really enjoyed that. So look, thank you, Mary and Gary, for a very, very insightful, practical discussion there, jam-packed with, with advice. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Gary. Thank you very much. Thank you, Owen, and thank you, Gary. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.